1: Chris Evans here. Thank you for downloading this week's podcast of the Best Bits of the Breakfast Show from Virgin Radio with Sky. Coming up, the fantastic Gary Light chats his Saturday songwriter sessions live on Instagram. Rich Roll tells us about his fantastic career in the world of podcasting. Sir Bob Geldof tells us about the Boomtown Rats brand new single, Here's a Postcard. Plus, Beverly Knight, Johnny Owen and Vicky McClure, Max Halley and so much more on the way. Dapper Dave, who's our first guest?
2: Our next guest and his gang exploded back on the scene earlier this year with the new album Citizens of Boomtown, 36 years in the making and they had a lot to say. The latest single, Here's a Postcard is out now and delivering it today is Bobby Boomtown himself. The one and only Bob Geldof. Good
3: morning,
2: Bob. Good How are you, Bob?
3: Good, thanks, guys. How are
1: you? <laughs> very well, very well. Now, we're going to talk about the documentary. We'll play the brand-new Rat single in a second or two, but I watched the documentary last night. I watched the first five minutes, and I paused it. I thought, hang on a minute, this is a bit good. So I went to put the kids to bed. Uh, I went for a comfort break. I got a glass of wine. I went back to the beginning and watched again. It's a brilliant, brilliant film. It's one hour 32 minutes. It's absolutely fantastic. So uh, let's talk about this now. Some questions for you, lots of questions. Uh, so here we go. In the film, you we see the handwritten lyrics for... She's so modern, and it says she's 21st century. 21st, it says in the handwritten lyrics, but it became 20th century in the recording. What happened there?
3: I was on the tube, and um, don't forget, we'd we'd arrived from Ireland, which was really living in another century, and um, we'd arrived right in the middle of this massive cultural revolution, called punk, from which a lot of the contemporary bands get their sound from and everything. And, uh, you know, here we were amongst these young girls who were just as rebel as any of the boys, um, just as wild, just as funny, just as mad, just as outrageous, just as vocal. And uh, I was on the tube one day, and opposite me were uh, two or three kids coming in from the suburbs, and they had their tights Torn, their fishnets torn, and their hair was a you know a mess, and and they looked they looked amazing, and uh, and I just took out this little notebook and jotted, she's so twenty first century because I thought here comes the new age. This is this is completely different to what i have seen. But then Matt Langer, who was the producer, said, forget the next century. You've got to make it about people now because that's what you're. Ooh, thinking. Ooh, that's quite wise, isn't it? But. but but not wishing to bring it round to the present, uh, I was on your show when we, when we played um, the last single, Trash Can Baby, and I told the story that I wrote that having seen a kid in very similar circumstances in a shop on the King's Road, moaning about it being Saturday, looking fantastic, making a theatre of the set. She was about 16, and I just thought back to those girls in the tube in the late 70s and thought, yeah, this kid's a song as well. So the rats are back.
1: Um, they're bigger. They're better than ever. Uh, you're tighter than you've been. You were first time around. Uh, you play for us at Carfest. Um, With a gigs booked this year, have you put things on hold? What's going on live-wise?
3: Uh, the worst thing, you know, I was on uh, uh, your show before uh, the lockdown. We brought out the album. We announced the tour, brought out the book. And on the day we did, lockdown was announced. So everything was sort of stillborn. Um, we've rescheduled the tour till October, November, but I don't know what sort of sense you're getting from the people listening in, Chris. I'm not sure people are going to go to uh, large, packed places. Uh, Yes. Uh, I don't think that'll happen for a while. I mean, are you going to go to a club or a theatre or a big festival with 20,000 people all jumping around? I'm not sure that's going to happen. So um, we got whacked with this, but you know, put that in context with other people who've lost their job. Um, I'm okay. I've got a big garden. I can, you know, write tunes and send them up to the guys. I can do all that. Uh, So I can't moan, um, really. Um, You know, uh, I'm sort of actually enjoying the enforced indolence, you know, um, if you like, guilt-free inactivity. But uh, I'd like... It's a pity because it's a good record... Um, whether we'd be able to revive it when everyone comes out of these conditions I don't know but uh, there you go it's what it is
1: alright Bob it's lovely to talk to you I literally can't recommend this film highly enough and it's quite clear and I hope you forgive me for saying this that you didn't have a guiding hand in the edit I li- and I really like that it's all the better for it um, it's a brilliant brilliant film what did you think of the, the first time you saw it
3: I was do you know when you look at old film of yourself as a kid, whether it's cine or or, or old video, and you're looking at a seven or eight year old, and you you, you think, haha, that's funny," but it, it it's uh, it's an objective view. It's not it's you and you're living you've lived that, but you're distant from yourself. So I'm looking at that, and I'm looking at myself, and I'm. And I'm sort of laughing at things I know I've done. I have God, did I say that, you know, but it, it's kind of not me. More interestingly, I found out more about the men that I spend huge amounts of my life all the time with. All the time, like, you know, you know, in rock and roll, you're in the bus, you're in the plane, you're in the train, you're in the hotel, you're doing the sound check, you're doing the interviews, you're doing the gig, all together, all the time for years. And I found out more about those men and was very interested in them than ever, what's it, I discovered in however many years we were together. And I felt sad that I hadn't worked out that Jerry had had this, as I say, brutally dysfunctional family. It explains a lot about it. But, you know, we were guys. We didn't talk about it. We were young men on the lake. We were desperate to scramble out of what we'd come from. And we were loving it. And, and that joy and that anxiety. And I found it a very interesting story, not like a rockumentary, not like a thing. I found it compelling. And I think uh, the the director did an amazing job it's a good, it's a good it's a good film it, you don't even have to know a life of band.
1: yeah it? it's a great film I love it I love it okay so that's a that's a film from the Boom Terrace thank you Bob
4: God bless, Chris. Ta-ra. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio.
1: Next up, we've got Super Sub Sam Pinkham chatting to a fantastic guest, Dapper Dave. Who am I talking about?
2: Between binge watching Line of Duty and normal people, our next guest has been doing what he does best: his collaborative Instagram shenanigans. Saturday songwriter are still going strong, so please welcome, live from LA, where it's daft o'clock and he's up talking <laughs> to us. It's Snow Patrol's Gary Lightbody. Here
5: he is
2: morning gary
6: morning,
5: morning hi everybody how's it going <laughs> mate lovely to have you on the show line of duty
1: fabulous isn't it
6: yes yes i, I was a very late i was a late arrival at that show and uh um, to my to my eternal shame because it's filmed in northern ireland um but uh i've just uh i binged a lot of it and it's amazing
5: um so gary just for, for those of you who just joined us for the first time and weren't listening when you were on with chris a, a month or so ago tell everybody about the saturday song right and how it works
6: um, so we've been doing this for about, well, for exactly nine weeks now, just the, the, the ninth one on Saturday there. Basically, I go on live on Instagram every Saturday evening in the UK at eight o'clock, and um, I ask people for, for chords. Um, for, uh, basically, I just say, pick a letter between A and G, and they give me letters. I pick the first four. I make a melody with those chords. I do that four times. I then get people to vote on which melody of the four they like the best, that's, and then that's the melody we go with. And then I ask people for lyrics, and they give me lots of lyric suggestions, and I write them as many down as I can in about 20 minutes. And, um, and then I go away for an hour and I put it all together and come back on live an hour later. So the whole process takes about 90 minutes. I come back on live and play the song, finished, you know, um, or at least the, the acoustic guitar version of the song, finished. And then I send the song um, uh, to Ian Archer, our wonderful producer, and, uh, and uh, send it to the rest of the guys, and we turn it into a we turn it into a Snow Patrol song.
5: And I'm sorry, I'm sorry to say this because I'm not. I, I shouldn't sound surprised, but they are they are so good, aren't they? I mean, I know they're going to be good because they're put together by you, but they are. St- they, you must be so proud of them. I've heard all the songs. You must be so proud of them.
6: Um, yeah, I mean, it is such a great... It's really, really a collective process. There's a line, there is a line... There are words from um, a different person, um, and there'll all be different people every week that get the lines in the songs, but there's a, there's words from a different person in every single line of every single song. So it really is a collaborative process, you know? So it, it does... And they all we seem to... I know, I know that um, there is a sort of a collective thing, thing, a collective consciousness at the moment we're all going through. That, um, so perhaps that's what's informing the lyrics. But I don't really ask, you know, I don't sort of choose a theme or anything most weeks. I did maybe for one or two weeks, but most of the time it's just whatever's on your mind. So it's kind of like it can be a therapy session or it can be a hopeful, joyful, optimistic session. That can, you know, like basically it's just whatever is, whatever's on your, on anybody's mind, and it really does come together really well. I was not expecting... We've done nine weeks and we've got ten songs. Right. So I was not expecting that. I was maybe expecting... I don't know. I don't even know if I was expecting songs. I just thought it would be a nice thing to, to do as a collective, you know?
5: And then, Gary, on Thursday nights, you also perform... Uh, you, do, you do a live gig every single Thursday night, your own, your own music and, and covers of others as well. How does that feel in comparison to performing live in front of an audience? Because obviously with Snow Patrol having hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram, that you potentially could be performing to an even bigger audience than if you were performing live in front of them. How does it feel just before you go on Instagram Live?
6: Yeah, it's, I mean, we did... With, we did one on I did one on Facebook and there was two hundred and fifty thousand people watching it. I was wow. like, this, this "Is this the biggest gig we've ever had?" <laughs> <laughs> <Yes. laughs> but I'm just sitting in my kitchen. I'm yeah. just sitting at my kitchen table. So it, like it feels there's like yes, there is an element somewhere in the back of your mind or maybe afterwards where you think that was a, you know it, it reached a lot of people. But you're not thinking that at the time. It it feels it's um uh, you you're just really just playing in your in your kitchen uh, and, and so many people are doing it and so many people are so many musicians are playing you know kitchen gigs or um back garden shows or what you know like it's it's been it's been amazing to watch so many different gigs from so many different artists but also for, for people watching because you because you're looking
5: into your eyes as, as a viewer you're looking at at you seeing gary i i reckon a lot of your mega fans would, would see that as even more of a connection than if they were watching you live on a stage you know and they're you know there are 100 people back
6: I, I, I mean, there is a certain uh, intimacy that comes from 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 shows like that that maybe is missing from like an arena show or a festival or something like that. But um, but uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's a completely different it's a completely different vibe from actually playing live to an audience. That's you, for sure. Do you that, get nervous yeah, at all? You
5: get, do you get nervous before you go on?
6: I actually get um, I do get nervous. I get nervous in these. I haven't been nervous before a gig in a long time. But I've been playing mostly covers these last three weeks. Yeah. And I'm not very good at covers, and I'm having to learn them all from, like, 10, ten covers, learn them from scratch. And um, and I'm not, it's not my forte at all. <laughs> and there's actually been moments where I've had to stop a song, like, halfway through and go, I've just forgotten this bit. Sorry. <laughs> <That's- laughs> I like, had to, like, listen to it on Spotify, like, live on the show. Like, Let me just listen to it for a second. Oh, yeah, now I remember. Okay. And then just pick it back up again.
5: Oh,
4: but you... So
6: it's, it's- very, very homemade. That's for sure. It's not a, It's not. There's nothing flawless about the about, <laughs> about these
5: shows. What's it like afterwards, Gary? Because obviously, if you go, when you come off stage with the band and you're going to have a beer or whatever afterwards, there's there's a slow uh, slow come down. And it's but after this, as soon as you disconnect from Instagram Live, two hundred fifty thousand people just leave and they go back to their. Well, well I mean that,
6: that that was Facebook. Instagrams okay. a, lot less, a lot less people on Instagram but no Patrol Instagram. But, okay, well, on Facebook um, then,
5: but you but you you must leave there and you must sit down on the sofa, put, put, and
6: put line of duty back on and go right over the normal life. Yeah, I mean, I have I have went immediately into, like, making a, you know, like, a, a cheese and ham sandwich, like, straight after. It does feel a little,
5: <laughs> it does feel a little strange. Yeah, I bet it does. <laughs> I bet it does. Well, look, we've thoroughly enjoyed it. Mm. I, I, I sat in bed last night, and, I've, and I watched two or three, three of, three or three of yours live, but I watched all of them last night, and I was just totally engaged, and, and, and it's raw, and it's real, and it's, you feel so much more connected. You just do. You just feel very, very connected with you. If you haven't seen it, go to at Snow Patrol to watch.
4: The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. So, Rich, can you give us
5: one minute
1: on a bluffer's guide
0: to who Rich Roll is and how he came about? All right, I'll do my best. And I'll try to be brief, which is not my strength. <laughs> <laughs> uh, former recovering lawyer and recovering alcoholic. Uh faces an existential slash health crisis on the precipice of turning 40, uh, decides to reinvent himself, ends up adopting a plant-based diet and immerses himself in the world of ultra endurance sports, happens to distinguish himself in a couple races and live to tell the story. And w- what, where are we now and how, what do you do for a living? So 53 now, still trying to get after it. I just did an Otillo swim run race on Catalina yesterday. So trying to continue to mix it up as best I can. Uh, And I spend my days doing a version of what you do, uh, podcasting, writing, I do some public speaking, we host retreats, I've got some online stuff that I do, online meal planner, et cetera, but live my life in the digital space.
1: I mean, you've been doing this for eight, this is your eighth year. Um, You started in November 2012, I think. And I heard Program 1 the other day. I listened to it on purpose because I was going to come see you. I'd have have gotten to it anyway, but I listened to it on purpose. And you pretty much hit the ground running. I mean, you know, the first thing I thought was, oh my goodness me, you're talking a lot quicker. But then I realized that I I had it on one and a half times on Mm -hmm. my phone. It was playing too quickly. (laughs) So so that was my fault, not yours. (laughs) Episode 1 you're talking about? (laughs) Yeah. Wow. But you you pretty much hit the ground running. You know, you were... You were exactly the same as you are now. You were talking around things, but then you got back to where you were. The, th- the biggest development I I've, I heard was when you talked to um, Mishka for the first time, mm. and it was in your intro. It wasn't in the interview because in your intro, what was really interesting is the fact that you sort of you precursed it with the fact that you you were going to go deep, and this was a this you know people might want to get ready for this one, you know, and you went a lot deeper than you thought you might. And I was expecting you know a really sort of uh, not not a hard listen, but I was I was I was getting myself ready for it because you'd advised me to. But it was nowhere near as deep as you go now. Mm. So it's funny that back then, you know, I don't know if you remember that, but you've talked you you've gone a lot deeper since with a, with a lot less warning. Well, I think
0: that what I've discovered, if there is a, a specificity to what I do or a sweet spot it's my ability to um, lead with empathy and provide a safe environment for people to open up and be a little bit more honest and open and vulnerable than they typically would in public or on some kind of you know media outlet. And that Mishka episode did really well. There was a rapport that I had with him, and I realized like, oh, there's something unique and special about this dynamic that I think I wanna double down on. Um, And I think that's what distinguishes me from a lot of the other kind of uh, shows that do something similar to what I do. Like for me, I bring on these people who have tons of amazing information to impart, but my approach is that all of that is secondary. What's primary is being able to emotionally connect with that person and to get to the heart of who they are. And I trust that if I can do that and really connect that whatever information is meant to be imparted will come about naturally but my priority is to to humanize the whole experience
1: and would you ever consider doing like we have it in britain we have pop-up radio stations so we have a national dab license and all this kind of stuff but every four or five we we can get a license for four or five days where we pop up and we just happen anywhere Uh so we could go to the olympics for example right um would you ever consider
0: doing like a summer where you do? More podcast, maybe one a day or... Yeah, know. yeah. I mean, I definitely want to... Pl- like, I have a format that works, but, you know, it's like you always have to be, you know, playing around with it and, and you know, take risks. So I'm, I, I really want to start doing more of that, like getting flexible with the format. And the idea of creating a system where I could put up more content in a more facile way, like a daily show would be incredible. Can you just leave our listeners with... Something,
1: a, a really good sort of uh, takeaway. You know, we're both
0: 53, right? And I think when you you reach our age or you're in your 40s, you start to think that like lo- the die is cast and your life is what it is. And one thing I've come to really learn and embrace is that, you know, change is always possible and it's always at your fingertips. And although pain really is the thing that, that has only gotten me to change, the truth is, is that that opportunity is always an arm's length away. And you know, I've gone through periods in my life where I thought this is it; it's never going to get better. And I've watched my life change and grow in in miraculous ways I could have never predicted. And what I take from that is, is that, and my my direct experience and the experience of so many of the guests that I've had on the show is that we all have so much more potential than we allow ourselves to believe. And the possibility that exists within all of us to be more fully expressed, to live more authentic to who we are, and to be more self-actualized in our physical lives and our emotional, mental, and spiritual lives, I think is profound. And everything that I do is about trying to get people to recognize that and to take action in their own lives. Because I really don't think that I'm all that special. I'm not some crazy gifted athlete. I've done a few things. Uh, You know, I, I wrote a book that didn't make the New York Times bestseller list. I host a podcast that is by no means the largest podcast. But if I could change, you know, as profoundly as I have in my life, that means that this is available to everybody.
1: That was just a snippet of my incredible interview with Rich Roll. To hear the full interview, search for the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show wherever you get your podcast from.
4: The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot.
1: So that's three guests so far, but there's still so many more guests to come. Beverly Knight telling us all about her brand new cover of Bill Withers' Lean on Me. NASA Hussain updates us on the world of cricket in lockdown. Max Halley discusses the glory of the sandwich. Ben Fogel tells us about his new children's book, Mr. Dog and the Faraway Fox. And Johnny Owen and Vicky McClure tell us about the brand new talk sports show, Johnny Owen and Friends. All that coming up. Dapper who's
2: next? Whether you're the number one fan of Mondrian or don't know your art from your elbow, our next guest is a man worth uh, listening to. His hit okay. podcast, Talk Art, has some very special lockdown episodes available right now. So without further ado, please welcome the perfectly composed Mr Russell Tovey. OK, he does know his art from his elbow. I like that, <laughs> don't you,
1: Russell? I love that. Pretty Good cool. morning, everyone. Good Thanks morning. Good morning. You're very welcome. OK, so uh, Talking Art, quoi, art. Guarantine. Love it. Yes. right Plain now. Words. Who, nice. have you, who have you been talking to and what have they been liking?
7: Well, Chris, we have since lockdown probably recorded about 30 episodes with the most dynamic voices in culture right now. Mm-hmm. People that um, they know very well are people like Elton John, uh, Billy Porter, Rufus Wainwright. But then we've had a, a, other incredible like artists like Lisa Escabbage, who's one of the most uh, forefront artists in America right now. Jordan Castile is a young artist who's making waves. Samaya Critchlow is a British artist who's amazing. Doran Langberg, the, the list goes on and on and on. We've been doing two a week. Normally we drop one every Friday, but now we're doing Tuesday and Friday during this quarter season. And uh, it's been mad, but it's been incredible. And it feels like we've created this little archive of culture for this period of time, like a time capsule.
1: And so, you know, to hear you talk about it, you're so fluent in it. You're so deep into this, aren't you?
7: <laughs> yeah, I'm obsessed. I'm, a, I'm an art geek. It's great. It's lovely
1: to hear. And also, you know, because I'm similar, you know, but in other worlds. So when I when I get home from work, (laughs) from from my job that I love, which I shouldn't call work, uh, you know, I've got my family (laughs) to to dive into and enjoy, which gives me perspective, you know, looking back onto what I do for a living. And then I've got a sort of a, a third corner to all this, which is my passions and my interests, which gives me perspective back onto my family and my job. And it's really helpful, isn't it, to to sort of run around from one world to another.
7: It's, it's the best thing ever to diversify I mean I, I'm an actor I've been an actor since I was a kid but as I've got older to be able to do other things outside of acting especially in the current climate I mean if I was relying now on a job as an actor I'd be pulling my ears off uh, but it's Uh, you're able to do that and have all these other passions and bring them all together in the mix is yeah it's a gift
1: and the great thing about coming up with a podcast to do with something that you like is that it's a it's a fantastic excuse to meet and talk to your heroes like um, you know Ian McKellen like Tracy Emin and you've done all this exactly
7: Exactly. it is really it gives you access to be able to talk to these people yeah that are your heroes I mean how, what other world can you do that? And yeah, it's it's incredibly exciting. And myself and my friend Robert Diamond, who I do it with, we feel very privileged that we get to access these people's brains.
1: And Barry Humphrey's huge art collector, is he on your radar? Oh, really? Oh, no, ma- know that. Yes, that massive. Massive. No, massive. One of the biggest art, private modern art collections, post war modern art collections in the world.
7: No way. Okay, Absolutely. Well, that's on the list. Ste- right, we'll set up, set, put us in contact with Barry, please.
1: Okay, Steve Martin.
7: Asked Steve Martin. Steve Martin said no. I've met Steve Martin and I've seen his art collection in his apartment and <laughs> it's next level but he said no, he wouldn't talk to us. Well, how in can a polite he... way.
1: Well, if he invites you into his home, why won't he talk to you on your podcast?
7: It's a bit different than putting a microphone in I front of him. I suppose so. <laughs> what, kind, what, kind <laughs> of was...
1: what kind of stuff is adorning his walls?
7: Oh my God. Well, there's like, obviously Picasso and Bacon oh, and there's an Edmund Hopper in there but there's an artist who I love called Giorgio Morandi who's this... Uh, Post war um, uh, painter, well, no, pre war painter who uh, does still lifes basically. But these these paintings go for an absolute fortune. I remember I came out of the elevator and I was with my friend, and he said, Oh, come in, come in. And he walked in, and then his wife was there, and I went, Oh my God, in the hallway they had two Giorgio Mirandis. Now, these paintings are over a million dollars each. And I went, Oh my God, you've got two Giorgio Mirandis. She went, No, 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 no. Around the corner there's a third. I was like, Okay. <laughs> and you were in the corner, and there was another Giorgio Mirandi. I was like, This is
1: See, we are on the brink of a conversation about art here, aren't we?
7: We're on the conversation about art. <laughs> <It's cool, it's laughs> We're cool. on it. We're riding it. We're riding at art. wave, Chris.
1: <laughs> Getting really nervous. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing good. You're doing oh, good. God, I'm, I'm nervous as well. You're I'm sweating. I'm sweating. Uh, what did Elton have to say about his art? Because I know he lo- he loves a painting or two. Well,
7: it's more photography. Elton's got one of the biggest, most important photography collections in the world and historical photography. And when he was buying, he's buying works that people were sort of not looking at. But right. what's exciting about what Elton does is he's really interested in photojournalism. So photographs that you see in the newspaper that you're like, wow, that's an incredible image from like war-torn Syria or from all, all over the world with these images that we've seen every day he collects that image and archives it and keeps it and contacts the photographer, which is an incredible way to collect photography. But he's had his collection at like the Tate in the show called The Radical Light uh, a few years back, and he's, he's, he knows exactly what he likes and what, who, what everyone is and what everyone's doing, and he's totally passionate. So to have him on was just the dream because he's a serious collector.
1: Did he, let you slip, uh, did he let slip about his Picasso ceramic collection?
7: Has he got a Picasso ceramic collection? No, he said about his bacon, which he He
1: always uses the photographic collection as a a front, as a smokescreen for what's really really hanging on the lounge walls, let me tell you.
3: (laughs) Seriously. Well, all all
7: that Picasso stuff, again, is something that Madura ceramics were created, and it wasn't until, like, probably about 10 years ago that people started to pay attention to them. You used to be able to pick them up for a few hundred quid.
1: Not because anymore, people, my friend. Not anymore, not no. Any- have you ever talked to anybody about Giacometti?
7: We have. People have been, have been inspired by Giacometti. A lot of sculptors, a lot of um, ceramicists. We've, yeah, of course... The yoga Giacometti,
1: yes. Uh, John uh, John Hughes, you know John Hughes, the famous director, movie director. Yep. Ferris yep. Bueller's Day Off. Um, he he's a big Giacometti fan, and that's why in Ferris Bueller's Day Off there's that scene where they run through the art oh, gallery we're in, in,
7: the, in the Met yeah. when they go and see the oh wow yeah, the sculptures and, that, and uh, oh, right what right, did, right.
1: What he did was he filled it with all his favourite artists just for a bit of a laugh. Ah, oh, and were they all the
7: original ones? Yeah, or? of, I always course. Think in movies. of yeah, course they were. Yeah, they, wow, wow. they were. Of course they were. Of course they were.
1: <laughs> uh, gotta go. Uh, Ace, uh, thanks to, for talking to us. I'd uh, love to have you on the show again. Please come back anytime you like. The
2: best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Our next guest has conquered the charts, bossed musical theatre, and is now set on stealing your hearts. She's heading up an all star version of the classic Lean On Me, raising funds for NHS charities together and you okay, Doc? So please welcome the stupendous superstar of soul that is Beverly Knights. Good morning,
1: You've Beverly. Hello, hello hello come in come in Beverly I'm very well how are you I'm good thank you well congratulations well. on the song well I know you very well unlike some of your family tell us what's been going on over the last few weeks
8: oh my poor mum and my brother were not well at all they had suspected COVID um, 19 and um they were they were just in the absolute wars it was such a nightmare but um, they're better now. They're nice and recovered, and it's all good. So right. I'm, I'm
1: thrilled. And they were admitted to hospital, weren't they? You got quite serious for a while.
8: It, yeah, they were taken to hospital, but they weren't actually admitted. Oh, right, and um, I'll be honest with you, I'm quite glad about that because that would have terrified me.
1: All right, Beverly. So, um... uh, now you're doing something about this anyway. But um, is it true that like a third of your family work for the NHS or have done? That's right, yeah,
8: that's exactly right. Um, my mum, retired nurse, mm-hmm. so she knew what they were going through in yeah. that hospital. Um, my sister works for NHS 111 in the West Midlands. I've got two aunts who work in the local Wolverhampton Hospital. I've um, got a couple of uncles who work in a Birmingham hospital as nurses. So, um, And then loads of cousins. I mean, loads. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Can they all sing as well as you? I bet they can, can't they? Does it run in the family? Do you know
8: something? That singing does run in the family. Oh, uh, it really so does. Nice. My sister, my brother,
1: yeah. <laughs> when did when we never talked about this? When, when did when did you first belt out a tune in front of some people and they thought, oh my goodness me, she can really do this?
8: I was about four.
1: No way. And
8: um, yeah, I was at church, the old the old church story. Right. And uh, my mum was up there singing. So I decided that I needed to be up there singing because I was already the biggest show off in the world by that point. Right. And uh, went up there and, and did my thing. Uh, and the uh, congregation were like, oh, yes, oh, she's so wonderful. She <laughs> might have a career. <laughs> and when, when
1: did and it, ch- all these years later. When did it change from, like, something that you love doing anyway? To, so? When, when was your first paycheck? When did you first get paid for singing?
8: Um, I was about uh, 15, right. 16. And um, a local radio station asked me to do um, a jingle. Mm-hmm. And I had this whole thing in my head of how I wanted to do it uh so um I I went to a studio and just laid out you know multi-vocal jingle like the old school close harmony jingles from back in the day Mm -hmm. and I did that and everyone was like who's this kid who's just done this 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 jingle with all these harmonies and things and that was the catalyst that got me getting gigs and what was the the tipping
1: point for you what was the big tipping point
8: the big tipping point, um, well, when I when I first signed my deal, I was 21, um, and uh, yeah, God, just trying to think, after that, when I released Shoulda, Woulda, Coulda, yeah. which was my third album in, everything went crazy, it yeah. just, my whole life changed. Um, Right, what
1: are you you up to now and who with and uh, what's it for? So we talked a bit
8: about my mum and my brother not being well with um, suspected COVID-19. So myself, lovely Joss Stone, and a load of other gorgeous people. We all got together um, with uh, these, these guys, uh, Dominic and Alexander Lyon. It was their idea in the first place, but we all got together to uh, record a cover of "Lean On Me," the Bill Withers classic, yeah. um, to raise money for um, the charity OK Doc mm-hmm. and also NHS Charities Together. Beautiful. And they look after the mental well-being of um doctors and nurses who are are going through this madness right on the front line and you know and and before all of this started you know suicide was so prevalent among doctors let alone the figures now where they've shot up because of people just not being able to cope so we that's where we're trying to raise money to help those charities step in and um, just support these guys through this this tough time.
1: Yeah, because they having to keep going, aren't they? You know, and the aftermath yeah. of what's going to go on with, with you know, like the uh, Mental Health Week as well this week, of course. Uh, Mental, of course. Mental Health Awareness Week. Um, you know, w- we need to do anything we can to help look after yeah. everybody's who been looking after us and it's the, it's the only thing we can do really to pay them apart from look after ourselves more and, and lessen yeah, the future burden on on what you know on, on their everyday lives right so uh, dr ranj singh is in there as well i understand um over 100 yes, artists recording is. this song
8: that's right. Yeah. Oh, Dr. Andrew was brilliant. I didn't even know he could sing. I was like, oh, yeah. Well,
1: I was going to say, can he? I mean, you, you know, you're allowed to say he can't because it's, it's a charity, so nobody will mind. But it, but, it, but unfortunately, disappointingly, he can sing. He can. Oh. He can. He can move as well. I know I mean, he can move. And, yeah, but we've all seen him move, for heaven's sake, but I didn't yeah. know he could sing as well. <laughs> Blink neck. the best
4: of the chris evans breakfast show with sky on
2: virgin radio as sport figures out how to start again what better way to celebrate than with a new sports show johnny owen and friends starts on talk sport this sunday at 9am and here to tell all is the man whose name is above the door and the lady who let's face it is really pulling the strings it's johnny owen and vicky mcclure good morning guys morning morning, morning. good morning, good morning. Good morning. <laughs>
1: who wants to go first, uh, Johnny uh, uh, or Vicky? You choose. I'll oh, let I'll
9: be Johnny the go
10: first. I let Vicky go first. It's <laughs> like, ah! We talk over each other. It's
1: like Mr. <laughs> and Mrs. isn't it? Okay, who likes to go first? I think I'll let Vicky go first. So Vicky, um, the reason you're on this show with Johnny is because you're his partner. <laughs> Yay! Hooray! Okay, so yeah. first of all, for people who don't know, I mean, you, you're both pretty pretty successful anyhow in this Business Call show. Um, tell everybody what you do, Vicky. Of course, I know, but other people might not. And how you met yeah. Johnny and then what he does. So, so you'd you, you be the hostess with the most. it's off you go.
11: Um, yeah, so I'm an actor. I'm Johnny's partner. Yeah. And Johnny's got a brand new show coming out on Sunday on TalkSport called Johnny Owen and Friends. And apparently I'll be sort of, being roped in here and there to do to do a few things
1: well hang on a minute vicky tell everybody about line of duty tell them you know oh in line of duty yes yeah, so, for heaven's line of duty. sake come on the sorry. big this is the big sell come on vicky
11: well sadly we're kind of we've filming for line of duty at the moment so um no news on when that's coming back out no, no but news hang on, on a minute
1: people don't even know it. you're in it they don't know you're in it yet tell them that you're oh, in I'm it in it. yeah
11: oh, and, and you've been yeah. in all of them and I'm in a new show called Alex Ryder. that's oh, yes. coming out on the 4th of June, Very which good. is like a teenage sort of James Bond action pack series going on Amazon. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there you go. There's my stuff. There
1: you go. So Vicky, Vicky knows her stuff, right now. Uh, Johnny and Vicky worked together. Um, John, Johnny, have you won a BAFTA?
9: Yes, I did. What I won did you win? BAFTA for the documentary I did uh, about the about Abban okay. back About ten years ago now. Where,
1: where have you put your BAFTA?
9: Where is I put you it on the shelf in our living room. OK.
1: And now, are you two... T- I know you're together in life, but are you together geographically at the moment?
9: No. Not I'm in moment, London. No. Right. And she's in Nottingham.
1: OK. Uh, but you, obviously, there's, there's no rift here. There's nothing that we need to disclose, <laughs> is that? Because that's not that's a terrible way to start a new t- a radio show together.
9: <laughs> no, I... I'm down in London geographically because obviously I've got to go in to do the show. I'm in t- this afternoon, tomorrow, practising right. and I'm, I'm just going live on, on Sunday.
1: Right, so you two are doing this show. It's on TalkSport, it's at nine o'clock. Um, now, um, what are you going to talk about this week? Because sport has started to percolate again. And Johnny, if you don't mind me asking this, this question up front, um, live and personal, how did you get the gig? What are your qualifications for doing a show about sport on the radio?
9: So, well, I, I've, I've done some films about football that been right. okay. Um, And I work at Nottingham Forest Football Club. I'm on the board there. I'm a director. In charge of media and communications, and I'd done some stuff for Talksport, sort of coming in and sort of deputising as a, as, a, as a presenter. And they liked me, and they sort of asked me would I like to do my own show, Good and for get you. some interesting people in. Good said, for fantastic. Okay, i to get you on actually, Chris, absolute, at some point. No yeah, I mean,
1: problem. I think you'd be great. Done deal. <laughs> uh, Friends, number one friend, of course, Vicky, though your life partner. Um, now you're not, mm-hmm. you're not, not, not only are you not together, you're not married yet. But is that, is that still, is that work in progress as well?
11: Oh yes, that's work in progress. In fact, maybe that's something I can like actually start to look at. Whilst I'm in lockdown, (laughs) (laughs) there's not been any time, so you know, until there be venues available at some point.
1: Week nine, let's get married. (laughs) I think
11: people are doing it online, aren't they? Maybe we can do it online, baby.
1: (laughs) Well, apparently weddings are going to start again outdoors, aren't they? That's the thing outdoors. I mean, was there a date set anyhow, or or was this something you still? No,
11: we hadn't set a date. We've both been so busy, so. Luckily, we hadn't set a date. Cause, you know, I feel for lots of people at the minute that have got lots of weddings planned, and, you know, obviously that's all gone, gone down the pan. So, yeah, <laughs> looking back.
3: John, Chris, do you, a, do you want to set a date
9: for us, Chris? You could be like still a black. Don't really me.
1: mind. What would be a good day? What, what? When When did you meet? What, what was the date that you met? Can you remember? March the 10th, March. 11th.
9: Oh, fourth of March. I, it?
1: I think it's the fourth. Of March. Well, who <laughs> My wife and I can't decide on our wedding anniversary. It's not just one of us that's forgotten, it's both of us. It's either the twelfth or the fifteenth of August. Um, but, but we can never decide, so it doesn't matter. As long as you love each other, that's doesn't, all. That, that's you all... just celebrate both dates. Yeah, we, oh, we celebrate from the 12th to the 15th. It's very convenient, <laughs> to honest, Yeah, perfect. Right, Johnny. So, um, sport is perky. It's coming back. You know, Bundesliga has started. And um, mm. any idea what's on the agenda, conversation-wise, this Sunday on your brand new show on Talk Sport, nine
9: o'clock? Yeah, well, we've got Stephen Graham in, who's a fine actor, you one go. of the best out there at the moment. He's coming on and he's talking about his love of Liverpool. Uh-huh. Um, and we've got Sean Dyson as well. He's going to give us a quick run-through about what they've been doing. Premier League managers, how they've been coping day to day. At Forest, they're back in training next week. Safe distancing, obviously, but I think we're heading towards it. Chris. the next two or three weeks, there'll be certainly Premier League football. I should imagine. Yeah, and
1: you have got all the Sunday papers as well because that's always fun, isn't it? The back pages there and the, the Sunday supplements. Yeah, stuff, the plus. How are you feeling about it? You, you say you're into re- to rehearsal practice, but the thing about a radio shows, I mean, it's good to come in. Of course, it is. I know you've done it before to familiarise yourself with with a new format, but it, there's nothing like being on the radio, is there itself? So it's but the great thing is it's not like telly so you know you you do three hours a week as opposed to half an hour a week so the 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 flying hours come thick and fast and before you know it you know you're up in the
9: air for good it's such it's such a different like saying skill really isn't it and it's so instant as well i've forgotten you know they go like oh we worry about that an hour before i'm like an hour before in telly it's like three months before you plan things but i do like the uh the spontaneity of it like you said it gives you that adrenaline buzz and there's nothing like it i don't think
1: right vicky have you been briefed to what your role might or might not be
11: no, I think it's best I'm not. It might be funnier.
1: And, and are, you, are you going to be there throughout, I've, or will you pop up at quarter to no, 10, quarter to 11, no. quarter to 12, or what?
11: Yeah, it depends what time I get up. Um, we'll see. No, I'm joking. Um, I don't really know. I don't really have a, a massive lot of football chat in me. Right. Um, but I think that's probably why I'm being dragged in.
1: OK, good. All right, Johnny. Um, <laughs> will there be a quiz? Will there be giveaways, or...?
9: Yeah, I think we're planning to do some quizzes and some giveaways, all sorts of things, to keep people sort of entertained. I think it's the idea is to do something... A little different, you know, football culture. Getting people on, like Stephen Graham, people like yourself, people from film and TV to talk about. They love a football. I think that's the sort of uh, the general theme of it. Because I'm from this world as well. To get my mates on to have a chat about football and, and the game we all love.
1: Could we say? Could we say it's a bit like Soccer AM on the radio? Is that is that fair enough? Touch like
9: that, yeah. I am okay. a big fan of Soccer AM as I well. Love so, Soccer- I love Soccer. I love
1: Soccer AM, and it's still brilliant, isn't it? It's still funny. Yeah.
9: All right, Absolutely. mate.
1: Well, Johnny, good luck. I'll be listening. Johnny Owen and Vicky McClure. Well done, Vicky. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. All right. Johnny yeah. Owen and friends, Talk Sport this Sunday from 9 o'clock. A brand new show right here from the Wireless Group. The
4: best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show
2: with Sky on Virgin Radio. Everyone knows that the foundation of British society is built entirely upon a damn good sandwich. Max's sandwich book, The Ultimate Guide to Creating Perfection Between Two Slices of Bread, is out now, and here to tell us all about it is a man most definitely not a sandwich short of a picnic. It's the <laughs> wonderful <laughs> Max Halley! I was hoping you were going to say that. Hey! Hey Max, how are you?
1: Hey, I'm great, thanks. How's it going? Uh, very, very well. I mean, this is the time for sandwiches, isn't it? A, hey, National Sandwich It's like Week. sandwich Christmas, isn't it? Bit yeah, B, uh, people we've never seen so many picnics in modern Times taking place, so no. tell us what you want. Don't tell us what you don't want.
12: What do I want? I want everyone to eat more sarnies and enjoy themselves
1: enormously. All right. So the ultimate guide to creating perfection between two slices of bread. Uh, where would you? Where do you start? I mean, it's you know, people say, you know, why have you got? Why have you written a book about sandwich making? It's obvious, but no, there are twists and there are turns and there are pearls yeah. of wisdom and there, there are nuggets of gold. Off you go, my friend. Well,
12: I don't know, do you want me to begin? First thing you do when you look at anything yeah. is think. Can I mix that into mayonnaise? (laughs) And the next thing you think is what's going to happen when I chuck that in the deep flat fryer.
1: I love it. I love it. Okay. so where would you start? What kind of bread would you use? Your go-to bread. One more sandwich before you die. What? Oh, God, probably the BLT, I reckon. Um,
12: If I I could only have one more ever again. And the bread, I don't think it really matters as long as it's got crust everywhere. Right. Because then you can soak up more juice, you can condiment more heavily, and you're not going to you know, you're not going to lose your structural integrity. Now,
1: I do believe you're, your two uh, go-to um, accessorisations, your two judges, uh, your two main items of, of pimping up of the sandwich uh, are, in fact, mayonnaise and is it Tabasco? Yeah, my mayonnaise, Tabasco,
12: Ooh. I think malt vinegar, a bit of malt vinegar and some mayonnaise is a wonderful thing. I think as long as you're putting, you know, acid Acidy, pickly things in with fatty things, then you're basically on to a winner. I wanted to ask you, who, who is it you've got there who's done the mashed potato sandwich?
1: Aussie Jane, of course, Aussie Jane. Aussie Jane, congratulations
12: as far as I'm concerned. You've completed the Aussie sandwich. Jane, come
1: in, come in, everyone. Let's talk, <laughs> talk
12: about your sandwiches. You know, Aussie it... Jane, you legend. Get some crisps oh, yeah. in there as well, and you're really
1: done. <laughs> See, <laughs> See Aussie Jane, you're my hero. Come on, come on, Aussie Jane. Come on, come on. Uh, Talk to Max. Come on. Aussie Jane is now in the studio. She's got headphones on. She can hear you, Max. Off you go.
12: Aussie Jane, it is a pleasure to make your acquaintance. You're clearly
1: quite a
11: sandwicher. I mean, the mashed potato is a classic in my my family.
1: And it has to be leftover mashed potato. Always
11: leftover. So you
1: can't make mashed potato purely for the sake of a sandwich?
11: No, absolutely not. Oh, you can. (laughs) 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 It's better the next day.
12: I, I guess it's not far off having, like, bubble do you fry it or anything like that or just chuck
11: it in no just chuck it in you know you get your salted butter in the in the mashed potato and put a bit of ketchup on top butter the bread (laughs) it's perfect can i have a taste of your Uh, mashed potato sandwich go for it chris that's
12: it well i'm gonna close my sandwich shop down and open max's by the way
1: you've got to see it max you've got to see you know you know when you slice a really good cheese and your pasty through the middle yeah, that's what you're looking at here now. It's that's not what the, you're looking at. I don't oh. know <laughs> it's and it's brilliant. got it's got a rainbow of red sauce. You know, it's got a roof <laughs> of red sauce. It's beautiful because in. in <laughs> Australia, you d- you inject pies with sauce, don't you? That's why you yes. have the, po- the pointy ketchup nozzle.
11: All of the ketchup bottles there have a nozzle on the top, just, just for the And pie. you inject, oh, don't you? Mate. And,
1: oh.
11: I'm not going
12: to lie. That's my approach to like pasties and stuff in Greg's and things like that. as well, yeah. lift, lift the top
1: up, squeeze the ketchup in, lift okay. back on, on. I'm going. In, I'm going in for the mashed sandwich. Actually.
12: Oh, my God. I wish I had a mashed potato sandwich. It's so nice because the
1: mash provides the moisture. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's actually juicy, right? (laughs) Now, Max, because because you've written a book called... um, What is it called? Um, It's called Max's Sandwich 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 Book, creatively. And and because you're on the radio talking about sandwiches on National Sandwich Week, okay? Yeah, yeah. uh, You own a sandwich shop, so the pressure on your sandwiches must be massive. Uh, Yeah. Luckily, this is a burden I can carry. Um, The truth
12: is... I'm extremely lucky to be able to sit around all day thinking about sandwiches for my actual living.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm living the dream down here. I, <laughs> I love it. Crouch End or Crouch you know, how, 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 how many customers? How many sandwiches would you serve a day? How, and how is it under lockdown? How has things changed well, here? Well, at, at lockdown, it's changed
12: completely because it is closed completely. Right. We shut on the 18th of March and have not opened. We're not doing takeaway, nothing. We're right. just closed. Okay. Um, and, like, you know, God bless this furlough scheme and stuff, right? Um, look, everyone who works in the side shop is, is yeah, is, is still getting paid by the government. It's so amazing. When will you when um, will you get back, do you think? Well, the truth is, I don't know. I think it's, you know, the uncertainty is awful, isn't it? I think it will just be when it seems sensible. Right then we'll reopen and not before not before then all right what we normally do we're only open at night we don't do the daytimes this is good um, and we're shut completely on mondays and tuesdays but we would normally do about a thousand people a week
10: love it
1: okay so Mar-
12: on average about 200 a day
1: right marvelous mirror here comes some great um culinary stock because her mum makes the best samosas in the world uh, also oh. also vegan uh, what are we looking at here now bombay mix sani <laughs>
12: yeah, is... I've got a
1: sandwich like that called the bargee Smuggler. The bar- with, um... Oh, good. Oh.
12: Yeah, it's got Bombay mix in it. Right. Oh
1: fantastic. I'm going in for this one. By the way, I will Tash, if you're listening, don't need any lunch today. Maybe not even any tea. Hang on a second. <laughs> okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Listen to this. <laughs> oh, listen to that. That's what you want. No, that seriously. That's what I'm talking about. And that's very cheap white bread as well, isn't it? The best. Oh. If you're gonna have a crisp sandwich, you go for the 17p loaf. Yeah, definitely. You've got to do that. OK, and we've missed one here. Whose is this one? Well, Rich's, Rich's of course. What's this one again, Tom?
13: Uh, ham, cheese, red onion and tomato.
1: OK, none of us can eat that because we're all vegan and vegetarian. Um, <laughs> I will imagine myself eating it. OK, Rich's, lovely. Rich knew that and he's made it on purpose uh, with ham in it. He doesn't himself. even like ham, he says. He says, but bring it back <laughs> to me. Bring it back my way. Max, thank you so much. Thanks very much, mate. Cheers. Viva the sandwich. I love it, and I hope
4: you get uh, back to work soon. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio.
2: We have a legend to talk to. Dabba Dave, who's on the show next? With cricket bowled out for a duck by the pandemic, it seemed overs might be over for the foreseeable, but there is a glimmer of hope. The cricket shows on Sky Sports News every Thursday, and here to tell us when we might see the beginnings of winning innings is the embodiment <laughs> of a good knock. It's NASA who Good
1: morning, NASA.
2: Good morning. What a build up. I Thank know.
1: Don't let us down, right? <laughs> It's Vassa on NASA. Fill your boots.
13: Hey, NASA. So um, I'm looking at the back page of the Mail this morning. I've got Stuart Broad pictured. Actually, he's got his own private at ladies' loo on his return to training yesterday. So where are we, NASA, with, with cricket returning?
10: Yeah, we are making some um, baby steps, I think the ECB called it the other day, towards cricket returning. Uh, as you say, the players are back now, doing one-to-one training with their coaches, so they are out. We saw Stuart Broad yesterday, Chris Wokes, Sam Curran, at various uh, venues around the country, so they're back playing cricket, mainly the bowlers, because the bowlers take a lot longer to get themselves right physically before you can play a proper test match or whatever, so they're back playing, and there's some really good noises coming from Australia and Pakistan and West Indies. You know, there's no point England cricketers getting ready to play if they've got no one to play against. So um, as far as people coming across to play as well, there's some really good sounds coming out from various countries. So things are moving in the right direction thankfully yeah
13: we have we have grounds don't we we have the Aegeus Bowl and we have Old Trafford of course uh, at Lancashire's ground where, where there's a hotel on site so everyone could sort of stay in their own little bubble and I was looking at I was looking at the um the news wires this morning snooker's back snooker's back on June the 1st the first professional tournament that's quite a socially distant sport obviously snooker and so is cricket really isn't it
10: It is, yeah. Um, You know, they're trying to get these venues that you talk about as biosecure as possible. So everyone's tested on the way in uh, and on the way out. And throughout that week, they will virtually be in lockdown at those venues. But you're spot on at those two venues in particular. The hotel is on the ground. You literally open your curtains and there is the Aegeus Bowl or Old Trafford. So you don't have to leave and, you know, maybe pick up the infection or whatever. So they are making it as secure as possible. They've had to tinker with not the laws of the game but some of the playing conditions excuse me beforehand you know you can obviously put saliva on the ball they're now saying you can't put saliva on the cricket ball uh, to polish it you can use sweat etc neutral umpires won't be able to fly in so you'll have to have a home umpires and things like that so they're tinkering with various things but i think as joe root said to us on sky cricket the other day as long as the integrity of the game is still there, as long as it's still a proper game of cricket, the players are very keen to buy into whatever the ECB ask them to do.
13: What you, what what are players going to do instead of uh, instead of saliva on the ball to shine it?
10: <laughs> you know, I think it's just going to have to be good old you know-fashioned sweat. Really, it'll be quite difficult. To, you know, you've trained the brain. It's like when you go abroad and, and you you know um, you put the, the windscreen wipers on and the indicator comes on yeah. or whatever. Um, it, you've trained the brain for so many years to do it one way. Um, it, it's going to be tricky. You know, Stuart Broad would have polished the ball, would have got a bit of sweat, um, polished the ball, a bit of saliva on the ball, and there you go. Now the saliva is not allowed. And I think there's going to be a, a penalty runs if anyone is spotted doing that. So there will be certain things that will be, at first, quite tricky to do, but in comparison to what... Um, everyone else around the world is doing. Um, I think I think cricketers can absolutely buy into that. Could you
13: could you use a bit of furniture polish or something,
10: <laughs> <laughs> or even a bit of sandpaper? But we won't go down that <laughs> no, road. Yes, there are certain things that you cannot use on a cricket ball, um, whatever environment you're in. So otherwise, you just get you know someone taking um, a whole batch of uh, stuff out there and try and get the ball swing, but. I think that's the least of their worries at the moment, how to make a cricket ball swing. I'm
13: watching you guys on the cricket show. It's Thursdays at at two o'clock on Sky Sports Cricket, which is channel 404. And I just I'm much more optimistic that we're going to see international cricket being played in this country by the end of the summer than I was, say, two weeks ago. Do you go along with that?
10: Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the ECB have been quite brilliant in in keeping everyone informed. We've lost a tournament in in the hundred, which was the domestic um, white ball tournament that was going to be introduced this summer. There's not enough crowds, or international superstars are going to come across. And I think all credit actually goes to some of these teams from abroad. You know, let's be honest. If a cricketer here was asked, right, would you go now abroad to play cricket? You'd have to think long and hard about it. You know, just the quarantine, when West Indies land here, they're going to be in quarantine for 14 days, when Australia come, um, when Pakistan come. So you have to applaud some of these nations that at the moment are saying, look, we are absolutely ready to come. We'll do the quarantine. We'll do the social distancing and the biosecure environments. And it seems really odd to do all that for a game of cricket, But I think everyone realises that you know we're we're sort of family of cricket and we've got to do whatever it takes to get cricket back on. It will be behind closed doors. That's just a given for the foreseeable future. There's not going to be crowds, um, but we need to get the game back on if it is safe and secure. And also the sort of slightly moral standpoint as well, which I know some players are a little bit worried about that they're not taking vital tests, etc. That your frontline worker might need or whatever. They don't want to be given any kind of um, priority that someone else might need. Good
13: stuff, NASA. Thank you very much. You Not take a care. Thanks for joining us this morning. Nasser Hussain from the cricket show, Sky Sports Cricket, Channel 404, Thursdays at
1: 2pm. It's essential viewing.
4: The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast, and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky.